Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the newest episode of Going Long Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Neal. We've got a couple things to get to today. I'm assuming many of the listeners of this podcast checked out Oregon's Super Regional Series against Oral Roberts over the weekend, uh, which is a ton of fun to watch. Really a great weekend of baseball. Unfortunately, not the result that Duck fans wanted to see, but nonetheless, a, a great sporting event. A lot of fun to watch that, and I'm sure anyone that was in attendance at PK Park can uh, surely attest to that. So we're going to break down uh, that, that series and talk a little bit about what it means for Oregon baseball as a whole going forward. After that, I want to talk recruiting a little bit and really get into some uh, some superlatives for both this class and some of the uh, the best recruiting classes over the past decade or so. So as always, thank you for tuning in. Let's get into it. All right, as I said up top, it was an incredibly fun weekend of baseball in Eugene. Um, unfortunately, it ended in heartbreak for the Ducks, who lost Game 3 of the Super Regionals to Oral Roberts' Golden Eagles. Uh, they won Game 1, lost Game 2, uh, lost Game 3. So if you watched, you already know this, but I'll, I'll kind of go through it for, for anyone who's just kind of um, just kind of tuning into this. Friday was Game 1, Friday night. The Ducks actually fell behind 8-0 after the third inning. Uh, Golden uh, Oral Roberts put up an eight spot in the third inning, which is just uh, it was really tough to watch. Honestly, I'm sure a lot of people probably turned it off after that. But if you did, I'm very sorry because uh, you missed one of actually the largest comeback in Super Regionals history. Uh, the Ducks came all the way back to win that game nine to eight on a Drew Cowley walk off RBI uh, in the bottom of the ninth. It was. Um, you know, it, it's probably the biggest moment in Oregon baseball history. I don't really know what the uh, what that top five list looks like. I know that, you know, Oregon had a long history of baseball. Then they, they disbanded the team for uh, several decades and brought it back the uh, 2007s when they announced it, 2009s when they had a team again. So um, I don't know. This is the second Super Regional Oregon ever hosted. The last one was in 2012 when they lost to Kent State. Um, so, you know, this, this walk-off win to get game one of the super regionals, I think that probably would go down as, you know, if not the biggest moment in UO baseball history yet, um, you know, it's, it's definitely up there because, um, we, we all knew that Oral Roberts was a really good team. We talked to Jared Mack last week about, you know, how dangerous they could be and how good they could really be. So, um, getting the first game off them is huge. Uh, doing it in the way that they did was just incredible watching that, that nine run rally from the third inning on and, and to cap it off with a walk off was just really special on Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening was game two. Uh, this was a, a tough one to swallow for the ducks because it was an incredibly winnable game. And, you know, at one point the ducks were two outs away from getting to the college world series and, and kind of clinching their path there. They held a seven to five lead in the top of the eighth. Um, or Roberts hit a home run to make it seven, six in the bottom of the eighth. And then, um, they, or Roberts scored two runs in the, uh, 
in the bottom of the ninth with the walk-off RBI single in the bottom of the ninth to win it. So, you know, two walk-offs in two games to force a game three. You know, I like I said with the Ducks, I don't I don't really know Oral Roberts' baseball history, but this was probably the biggest moment in their their baseball program history as well because I know they hadn't been to the the College World Series since 1970 something. I believe it was 73 was the year. Um, I I could definitely be wrong on that, but um, just those first two games in a vacuum were just such incredible theater and and so much fun to watch such good baseball being played a lot of runs a lot of hits a lot of home runs um and some some really solid pitching and and solid defense being played as well but a ton of fun and it, it felt really fitting that this would go to a game three on sunday because these are two incredibly matched teams uh very talented teams so um, while it, it was tough to see the Ducks not get that one on Saturday night, they were so close, so close to getting to Omaha, two outs away, like I said. Um, it was, you know, it it felt kind of fitting that this went into Sunday. So now we get into game three, and things were things were looking really good for the Ducks. Uh, Tanner Smith hit a three-run home run in the bottom of the first to put Oregon up three to one. Or Roberts put up three in the fourth to make it five to three. Um, and then the Ducks actually made a five to four in the bottom of the six with a home run to, to dead center by Sabine Ceballos. But after that, when it was five, four, the wheels kind of started to fall off in the Oregon bullpen, which was kind of the story of the, uh, the second half of that game and what, what ended up being the end of the season. So Oral Roberts scored three in the top of the seven. And, uh, for Oregon's pitching staff, it went walk, walk, wild pitch score, throwing error by drew Cowley that scored another one another walk and then an rbi single to center so a lot of runs there on not a lot of hits the ducks got one back in the bottom of the seventh uh but they unfortunately you know it it's great to get one back but they had a chance to really really get back in that game they had uh bases loaded with one out and they were only able to get one in they left three stranded there which was really really tough especially when you're uh, you're trailing by a good amount by then. And I think it was, yeah, nine to four. Um, I forget what the exact score was, but you know, they, they had an opportunity to really get back in the game and they just, they just left it stranded. So, um, the Oregon defense held in the top of the eighth. They didn't, didn't let up any runs. Uh, unfortunately we were able to get any runs in the bottom of the eighth as well. But once again, top of the ninth is when the wheels really came off for the ducks pitching staff. And this was just kind of when you could feel that the game was over, uh, you got two outs. I think two of the first three batters got out. You had a runner on first. Um, I forget how he get there. I think he either got walked or hit a single, but Oregon then made a pitching change and they brought in Dylan McShane who had struggled a bit with his accuracy so far in this series and so far this year. So uh, that was a, a questionable call. I know that Oregon was very short on pitchers. They have been for this whole postseason dealing with some injuries. So, um, who am I to tell Mark Wazikowski that he's doing something wrong? I, he knows way better than I do. I got to trust his decision-making there. But, um, you know, it in hindsight, I don't think Dylan McShane was, you know, the best move to make. It could have been the only move they had. Again, I don't know. But um, his first batter, his first pitch actually hits the batter, uh, gets the – then he walks the next batter to make it bases loaded with two outs. Um, again, a pitching change. They brought in Olsen. He walked to run home next batter, walked to run home next batter hit by pitch gets a run across the plate again, another pitching change. And then finally a strikeout to end the inning. So 
at that point it's 11 to five bottom of the ninth. Um, I mean, that's just, that's too big of a hill to climb for Oregon's offense. The ducks have a great offense. Uh, they can really get a lot of points on the board, but uh, that's, that's just too big of a hill to climb. So, the Ducks did end up getting an RBI single to score one, and they ended the game eleven to six. So, uh, fun, thrilling game, really, really tough, disappointing outcome. But uh, that's kind of how it broke down for the most part. So, where does that leave us now going forward? I know I'm not the uh, I'm not the most locked in baseball fan. I don't know Oregon baseball as well as some others. I would like to to have a conversation with Jared Mack or Jared Denny and. Uh, really talk about where this team goes uh, going forward. But for the most part, I think that this is still a really positive outcome for the end of the season. I know it was frustrating that the season stopped short of Omaha. It would have been really, really cool for the Ducks to, you know, in this, I guess you would call it historic season, this kind of magical run, uh, you know, end it in the College World Series. They they really got far, and hosting a Super Regional is a huge deal. But, um, you know, it... I know it's frustrating that it stopped short, but this feels like the start of something in Eugene. It really, you kind of got that vibe being in Eugene. I didn't go to any of the games, but you know, people were talking about Oregon baseball around town. You know, I had several friends who never pay attention to baseball talking about it. Uh, People on the golf course that I was with uh, people I was golfing with saying, Hey, did you watch that game last night? Are you going to the game tonight? You know, there was just that certain vibe that's usually only reserved for football in Eugene. And, you know, sometimes basketball, if basketball's good, which hasn't been great the past couple of years, but, um, you know, it was a, a topic of conversation. So, you know, baseball, is, baseball has been back at Oregon since 2009. They hosted the Super Regional in 2012, but, you know, they haven't really done much since then. So um, I really felt that fan engagement this weekend that they kind of felt proud of their team and they kind of really started to buy in, um, you know, for for one on my side of things is I'm not too into baseball, partly because, you know, a lot of fans aren't into it. I don't cover baseball personally because, you know, it does not generate a lot of page views to, to be completely honest. Um, but that changed this past week. I mean, fans were buying in fans were reading about baseball and, and it was getting a lot of clicks. So that's just one way that I can, can, you know, see the nuts and bolts of it where it, it actually started to drive traffic a little bit. So that tells me that people were really interested um, I'm just, I'm super curious to see how this team looks going forward more from a fan perspective than from a personnel perspective, but I want to see how they keep this momentum going forward and how they can get this momentum back. Because you talk to the coaches, you talk to all the players, they're saying that, you know, the atmosphere in PK park was incredible this weekend and that there was, there was so much love and so much support. And, uh, it was just really a once in a lifetime experience, like having, that much fan support and being able to play in front of that raucous of an environment. Um, I just want to see that, you know, this team projects to be pretty good going into the future. I want to see how they continue to, um, to pick up this fan base and, and make sure that they're, they're coming along. Um, but I think that the team really did gain a lot of fans this past week, past couple of weeks. Again, I'm not the person to break down what the roster is going to look like next year. I know that they will lose eight seniors and likely have more people drafted, but there are a lot of freshmen on this team, especially in the bullpen. We saw a lot of freshman pitchers for the Ducks this past weekend, and I believe they got the number, uh, I think it's the number five recruiting class coming in next year. So, um, you know, baseball should be fun to watch in Oregon for the next several years. I'm really looking forward to what it turns into, what it could continue to be. 
And uh, I think that there's going to be more regionals and hopefully super regionals hosted in PK Park in the next decade. And, you know, I, I would be shocked if they did not get back to the College World Series at some point. All right, let's take a quick break and then get into uh, some recruiting news and talk about our recruiting superlatives. All right, let's talk about recruiting. Before we get to the uh, superlatives, I should mention that it's been a great couple of days for the Ducks in the 2024 recruiting cycle. Uh, On Sunday, three-star offensive tackle Devin Brooks committed. He is the number four player in Oregon. Uh, Definitely an in-state target that Dan Lanning and the the staff was really focused on. Lanning has said before that um, he's just really, really, they have to keep their best talent in Oregon inside the state of Oregon. So, um, that was definitely a good pickup for them. I think the Ducks have two of the top five players in Oregon right now committed. Uh, tight end AJ Pugliano, the other one. They actually have Trent Ferguson, another tackle as well. I forget what he is in the, the Oregon rankings, but I know he's up there near the top. And then on Monday, they got three-star wide receiver Jack Riesler uh, from Mater D High School. He is the uh, the fourth wide receiver to join Oregon's class. I know his his recruiting ratings aren't great, but... Um, you know, everything you see about him and see from him and Mater, Mater D, he's a real playmaker. I know he's nicknamed the white Mamba, um, you know, for whatever's, whatever that that's worth, whatever that means to you. Um, I know this is a big target for Oregon in the class. I know that they definitely wanted to get him. I know there's several players from Mater D that the ducks are really trying to get into the fold. Brandon Baker, five-star offensive tackle, Aiden Breland, five-star defensive lineman. You got Xavier Brown. You got Nate Frazier. Uh, Jack Riesler was definitely one of those. And I think, you know, I don't know how much his commitment, you know, means to the other guys. I don't know that they're going to commit to Oregon now because, you know, Riesler committed to Oregon, but, uh, it's not nothing. And if it leads to no one else in the, the Mater D, uh, high school in this class, then, then so be it. But Riesler's a, a really good player. And I think that he's going to have a, a good future at Oregon. With those two commitments, Oregon is now up to number five in the national recruiting rankings. It's the first time they cracked the top five uh, in this 2024 cycle so far. I think they briefly cracked the top five uh, at the end of last year in the 2023 cycle. I'd have to check that, but um, you know, it's 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 impressive. They're getting up there. They got a lot of commits. They're they've distanced themselves from anyone else in the Pac-12 uh, by a, a large margin right now. And they're just they're still rolling along. I know that these aren't uh, aren't blue chip prospects by any means. They aren't like class leaders, but these are really good depth pieces and and really good guys to get into the fold. And um, you got to trust the uh, the recruiting staff and the coaching staff. If they like these guys, then forget what the uh, what the recruiting rankings say and forget what the recruiting outlets say. They've watched the tape. They've broken these guys down. They've seen them in camps and everything. Um, and and they want them on the squad. So. You know, if Landing and Junior Adams and Elite Terry like these guys, then I'm all in. All right, let's talk about these recruiting superlatives. Uh, the Athletic put out a really cool article on Monday where they offered some superlatives for the Oregon Ducks recruiting since 2000. Uh, they went through and they named the best recruits, the most influential recruit, the uh, the best developmental stories, things of that nature. And that kind of got my juices flowing to where I wanted to do a similar thing. But instead of going back to you know 2000, I wanted to take a closer look at the past five years and maybe highlight some of the current and future recruits in superlatives as well. So 
I encourage you all to check out that piece from the athletic because they broke it down really well. And they, they, uh, they had some really good explanations for, uh, for some of the guys, but these are the superlatives that they had for best recruit pre-internet era. They had Joey Harrington, best recruit modern era. They had D Anthony Thomas, most influential recruit. They had Marcus Mariota, biggest bus. They had Canton comma tool, best developmental recruit. They had Justin Herbert. And the one that got away, they had Buda Baker, who ended up going to Washington. It's pretty hard to disagree with any of those. Like I said, this got me thinking about what some superlatives for more recent recruits would be in Oregon. I know that they, the Athletics said they went all the way back to 2000 to, to today's day and age, but uh, I think that actually the most recent recruit on that list would have been Justin Herbert, which he was, what, class of 2016? So it's, you know, I, I wanted to take a closer look in a more recent look at all of this. So, so I decided to focus on the the past five years and also to try and predict what some of the future superlatives might be with the current players on the roster. So here are the categories that I want to fill out going back to 2018 as our start date. So I want to look at best Mario Cristobal recruit, best Dan Lanning recruit, best recruiting class, most influential recruit, best developmental recruit, biggest transfer portal addition, biggest bust and the one that got away. And then I also is, those are for the current and the, uh, the past recruits. And then for the future recruits, which I would say is the class of 2023 or committed in the class of 2024. I want to look at the most jaw dropping film, the sec country recruit, biggest transfer portal edition, most influential recruit, best developmental recruit and the one that got away. So Let's go ahead and we'll start with the superlatives that I did. All right, best Mario Cristobal era recruit. I think this is a pretty easy one. It's Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, he was a five-star defensive end, ranked as the number two player in the nation, ranked as the number two defensive end in the nation. Uh, he was not only the best Mario Cristobal recruit, he is the highest rated recruit to ever sign with the Ducks. Chose Oregon over the likes of Alabama and some of the other big dogs in the nation, but he kind of helped put Oregon on the map in the recruiting world. I know that they've done, they've done some big things. They've got some, some big guys before we talked about D'Anthony Thomas and uh, they, they had five-star guys before, but when you get, you know, the number two player in the nation, that's, that's something different than just getting a five-star. So I think the, the Mario Cristobal era will definitely be remembered by uh Kayvon Thibodeau as the, uh, the top recruit. As far as the Dan Lanning era, the best recruit, I think that uh, I think it has to go to Josh Connerly at this point. Obviously, Lanning, the Lanning era is far from over. Uh, I hope, and all Oregon fans hope. But if you look at the classes that he's had so far, I think Josh Connerly, five-star uh, offensive tackle, number eight nationally, uh, number one offensive tackle in the nation. He ended up getting him over, uh, I believe it was USC, Ohio State, and Michigan, I think were the uh, the finalists for Connerly. He seemed to be a USC lean, and then he took a last-second visit, a last-minute visit to Oregon before signing day, ended up choosing the Ducks. I think that was probably the biggest win of, uh, of Landing's uh, first year on the recruiting trail in Eugene. If we're going to talk about best recruiting class, I'm actually going to go different from the rankings here. I'm going to go with the class of 2020, which was a Mario Cristobal class. Uh, Oregon's 2019 recruiting class is technically the best in school history that had Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, Michael Wright, guys of that nature. And it ranked number eight in the nation that year. Uh, by all means, incredible class. It's the best in, in Oregon history, like I said. 
I'm gonna go with 2020 for this superlative for this superlative though because it brought more it brought forth more difference makers in my mind. In 2020, you got a trio of five star players. You had Justin Flo, Noah Sewell, Dante Manning, uh, three five stars. That's the most that Oregon's ever had in a class. It also brought in guys like Chris Hudson and Bennett Williams and Marcus Harper. I know that the uh, the ratings don't agree with me here, but I think that this 2020 class is a little bit better in my mind than 2019, even though the uh, the star power in the in the other one is a little bit better. All right, most influential recruit. I am. There's a lot of different ways I could have gone with this, but uh, I chose Troy Franklin for this one. He was a four star player. He was. Number one, uh, number 41 player nationally, number three wide receiver in the 2021 class. In my mind, Troy Franklin, he kind of made it cool to be a wide receiver at Oregon again. Um, by choosing the Ducks as the number three wide receiver in the class, he came across the country. And, you know, that first year under Cristobal and in that offense with Joe Moorhead was a little bit tough. But, you know, he finally landed in an offense that fit his skill set once Kenny Dillingham took over in 2022. Uh, I think that Franklin was was influential because he he kind of showed a lot of the young wide receiver prospects what it's like to be an elite pass catcher in Eugene, and that if you know there's talented players in this offense and with the new offense that they're running now, you know you can have that type of career in Eugene where you're in line for maybe a Bolitnikoff award or you can be a, a mid to late first round pick and you're going to get the looks that a star wide receiver should get. And they need to get, you know, to get recognized it. So, um, you know, I think that him coming to Oregon, that really said a lot because Oregon does not have a long list of great wide receivers in their history. You know, there's there's not a ton of them that they've put into the NFL. So Troy Franklin kind of feels like he he turned that ship a little bit. And uh, it's been interesting to see where the wide receiver recruiting has gone since him. All right, on to best developmental recruit. I'm going to go with Travis Dye for this one. Uh, you know, Travis Dye was a three-star coming out of high school. He was the number 987 player nationally and number 33 running back. If someone told you when when Dye signed that, you know, he would end his career at Oregon as the number three all-time rusher on the career yards list, I think a lot of people would have told you that you were crazy. They would have told you to stop smoking what you're smoking and, and focus on something else, but that's what ended up happening. You know, dies dies forever in the Oregon record books, and he will forever have a spot in the heart of Duck fans. I know that um, a lot of people are a little frustrated that he chose to transfer to USC of all places to end his career. But, you know, I think that there's, there's still a lot of love for dying Eugene. And when you look at what he was able to do throughout his Oregon career and the fact that he came to Eugene as such a lowly, low rated recruit, um, just, just not a high profile guy at all. I think it's really impressive the way that he was able to develop and and grow during his time at Eugene. All right. This one is biggest transfer portal edition. I don't think there's any debate here. I don't think there should be, you know, any competition. It's gotta be Bo Nix. Uh, You look at his recruiting rankings coming out of high school. He's a five-star player. He's the number one dual threat quarterback, number 33 nationally. I mean, this one isn't even a contest in my mind. The biggest transfer that Mario Cristobal ever produced, you know, was arguably Anthony Brown. So Dan Lanning had a, a pretty low bar to clear to win this superlative. Uh, Bo Nix was electric in his first season with the Ducks, and he is definitely among the Heisman favorites going into 2023. All right, this next one is is biggest bust. I know it's kind of tough to call a, a high school player or a high school prospect a bust if they don't come out and live up to, you know, 
incredibly high expectations or incredibly big recruiting hype coming out of high school. But, you know, for this one, I think it's a pretty easy answer. I think it's got to be Justin Flo. Uh, he was a five-star player, uh, number six nationally, number one inside linebacker in that uh, 20, I believe it was 2020 class. Um, he's the the number two recruit to ever sign with the Ducks. And he ended up entering the transfer portal this offseason because he played roughly 20% of snaps in 2022. You know, Flo is a player that all of all of the talent is there. All the talent that you could ever ask for is there. Um, it's just some of the uh, the football IQ side of things needs work. He's someone that wasn't really able to operate in Dan Lanning's system because he didn't really he didn't really play keys of the defense. He kind of just went and did his own thing and just kind of his whole life he's expected his talent to make up for for you know a lack of. I guess a lack of knowledge on the field. I know that that sounds a bit critical and, and tough to say, but I think it is true. And his talent, I mean, has gotten him this far. He was, he's one of the most talented players I've ever seen, but you know, at some level of defense. And when you get Dan Lanning's scheme out there, you got to know the keys and you got to, got to work in confluence with everybody else. And he was unable to do that. So I think when you get the, uh, the number two recruit in Oregon history and he ends up ends up transferring out because he wasn't getting play time. That's definitely could be labeled as a, as a pretty big bust. All right. This one's a little bit tough. This is the one that got away. Uh, I'm giving this one to Ohio State's JT Tui Malau, uh, five-star number two player nationally in 2021, number one defensive lineman. He is one of the best prospects to come out of the Northwest in quite a while. He was the number one player in Washington, and the Ducks were very close to landing him. They were among his final schools. Um, he, he definitely liked Oregon, but he ended up choosing Ohio State instead, and uh, his college career has kind of gone as you would expect it would. He's become a complete game wrecker for the Buckeyes, and he's definitely in line to be a you know a, a high first-round draft pick once he becomes eligible. So he's someone that I remember his recruitment. It's, you know, you look back and think, how could things have been different if he had ended up choosing the Ducks instead of going to Ohio State? Uh, that one's tough. That's definitely one that got away. All right, now we're getting into our future superlatives. So this one is most jaw-dropping film. Uh, if you've read any of my work or listened to this podcast over the past year, then the answer will not surprise you at all. It is Kenyon Sadiq, a uh, four-star athlete in this last 2023 class, plays mainly tight end. Uh, Sadiq's high school tape is is enthralling to watch as uh, anything I've ever seen. Uh, I know we played in Idaho a little bit lower league than than most high schoolers, uh, most most high-profile recruits across the nation play, I should say. But, you know, he's I think he's a really talented player and he's going to have a chance this next year to try and make some of those plays for the Ducks in their tight end room because they're not too deep at that position. I think that he'll uh, he'll get some playing time right away and show what he can do. All right. Future superlative number two. This is the biggest SEC country recruit. And by that, I mean, so Dan Lanning is, you know, clearly working on bringing the SEC type bodies to the Pacific Northwest. So that makes sense. He's he's really trying to bring some some size and speed mainly to the defensive line. You're getting it a little bit in the secondary as well, but I'm giving this one to Johnny Bowens. He's a four-star recruit, number 185 nationally, 26 defensive linemen in 2023. Um in my mind nobody better embodies this superlative than than Bowens does. His size doesn't really jump off the page. 6 foot 3, 265 pounds, but 
the way that he carries that is unlike I have anything I've ever seen before. I mean, he's the the thickest and most dense human I think I've ever seen. It, he looks just like a semi truck out there. So um, we haven't seen him too much. Obviously, only seen him through spring ball and what little that's given us. But I'm super excited to see what he can do because he is just a, a Mack truck over there on the defensive line. And he really looks like someone that you could easily see in a, a Georgia uniform or an Alabama uniform. So uh, he definitely is that that SEC country style recruit up in the Northwest. All right, a few more here. This one is the biggest transfer portal edition for the uh, the future superlatives. There's there's a lot of people that I could have given this one to, but I'm going to give it to Justin Jacobs, the the linebacker from Iowa. Uh, as a recruit, he was a four star, number one fifty two nationally, the number ten linebacker in his class. Uh, again, there was there's so many players I could have given this to, like uh, Johnny Cornelius, Taz Johnson, Evan Williams, Nico Reed. They all came to mind, but. Uh, I'm going with Jacobs because, you know, the Ducks, they really need help with that linebacker spot. And he's proven in the past how impactful he can be playing in the Big Ten, playing in a really solid Iowa defense. So um, I I think I'm projecting a little bit and hoping that he, you know, if Oregon's going to be really good and be the team that we think they can be this year, I think Jacobs is going to need to step up. So uh, I think he's, he's going to end up being my biggest portal addition when this year's all said and done. All right, three more here. Again, this is a tough one to talk about. This is the the future superlative, the one that got away. Um, like the last one that got away was uh, JT Tuomalau. This one is going to be, obviously, Dante Moore. Uh, five-star quarterback, number four player nationally, number three quarterback. He was the highest-rated quarterback to ever commit to the Ducks. Obviously, did not sign. Uh, losing Dante Moore to UCLA after losing Kenny Dillingham to Arizona state that already stings and Moore hasn't even played a snap in college yet. So um, if he, if he ends up reaching his ceiling and if he ends up becoming this, you know, Heisman trophy caliber quarterback, that one's really going to sting in a couple of years. I think this has the potential to be one of the biggest, you know, what ifs or the one that got away we've ever seen in Oregon and, and hopefully that we ever do see it Oregon because I, I hope they don't. Uh, I know duck fans would join me in saying, we hope they don't lose out on more recruits like that in the future. But you know, I'm, I'm definitely nervous to see how good Dante Moore can be going forward because it was, he was a duck for a long time. He was committed for five, six months he committed in, I believe July decommitted in, in December. So uh, that was a tough one. He he definitely is one that got away. All right, most influential recruit for the future superlatives. I'm going to go with Jurion Dickey, uh, five-star wide receiver, number 18 nationally, number two wide receiver. Much like Troy Franklin, I think that Dickey will end up being a really impactful and influential recruit because I think that he pushes forward the level of wide receiver recruiting in Eugene. I don't think that Dickey ends up happening at Oregon. If Troy Franklin doesn't happen, you know, much like I said with Franklin kind of showing that it was cool to be a wide receiver in Eugene again. I think that that really helps Dickey, you know, kind of feel comfortable picking the ducks and coming to Eugene. And I think that the same could be said or the same will be said about the next five-star wide receiver to choose Oregon down the road. We don't know who that'll be yet, but we've kind of seen that, you know, if Dickey can come to to Eugene and, and excel, you know, and, and succeed and have a great career, I think that's just going to continue to put Oregon on the map as a team that can really foster this environment where wide receivers come to come to succeed and where they can flourish. So, 
I think that that would be a, a really cool outcome if Dickey is one of the most influential guys from this class. All right, last future superlative. This is the best developmental recruit. Um, again, there are a ton of people that I could give this to. You kind of look at the uh, you know the the lower rated guys in the current recruiting class of twenty twenty four. I chose Tion Gray, the defensive lineman. He's a four-star, ranked number 340 nationally, number 35 defensive lineman. Um, I think that he presents some major upside for the Ducks, especially with his frame. He's six foot six, 265 pounds. Uh, that seems like the type of body that, again, like with Johnny Bowens, that Dan Manning is trying to bring up to the Pacific Northwest, bring to the Pac-12. And that's someone that, you know, he can really work with on the defensive line down the road. So uh, I think that... Uh, he's someone that could really could really be a game changer. Can be a, a really stout defensive lineman in a couple of years. It'll be interesting to see, you know, what what he looks like when he gets to Eugene and how quickly he can get onto the field. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys for listening and following along. If you want to check out more of my work, you can find it all at ducktwire.usatoday.com or follow me at Zachary C Neal on Twitter. I will talk to you guys next week. Till then, take it easy. <laughs>